And so that's what we get to talk about today. You know, we're in the middle of this series to begin the year thinking about the Grace Point identity. And, and last week, our focus was on who we are. And today, we're going to be thinking about what we believe. And so I thought this is a perfect opportunity for us to just talk about how the story unfolds in the Bible. So I have the intention this morning of telling you the whole story of the Bible and I should be done by one o'clock. So just hang with me and everything, everything will be good. No, we're, we're having this opportunity to think about how all of this plays out because God's plan for us is seen from the beginning all the way to the end of the Bible. And it starts with his intent in creation, which is found in Genesis chapters 1 and 2. We were created for relationship. Genesis 1.27 famously says, So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So first and foremost, we need to acknowledge that we are created, that we are not here by accident, that we are here by an act of the God of the universe. And to take that even further, we are created spiritual beings. That's where it says in the image of God. And we've also been created sexual beings, male and, and female. So, so simply put, Genesis 1.27 reminds us that we were made for relationship with God and with, with other people. And the original intent in creation was for us to learn how to do both of those relationships well. Both the, the vertical relationship and the horizontal relationships. And, and the reality is we all know how easy it is to mess them up. And the, the Bible says that part of the reason we mess things up so badly is because of what happened in Genesis chapter 3. It's the story of Adam and, and Eve. Through disobedience, we drove a wedge into our relationship with God. You've heard this story. But it all starts with the fact that the Lord decided to give us an amazing gift. And that gift is freedom or, or free will. And, and, and God gave us that gift because it's all about relationship. And he knew that true relationship can never be coerced. It can only be freely given and freely received. And so if God wanted to have a relationship with us, he couldn't make us do it. He had to allow us to choose to do it. And there's the rub. So he literally placed Adam and Eve in paradise, but so that their free will would be honored, he gave them one prohibition. He said, don't do this one thing. And of course... They couldn't resist trying it. And consequently, through disobedience, sin entered into all of humankind. We, we have all been 
profoundly affected by that one act. Maybe I should say we've all been profoundly infected by that one act. Because we have all been born with a propensity to do what we want rather than what God wants. Even though we know that what God wants is right, there's something inside of us that still wants to do things our way. And it's an amazing thing. And it is born in you. Theologically, it's called original sin. And, and I tell people often, if, if you don't believe in original sin, you have never raised a toddler. Because there's something incredible about catching a two-year-old in the act and having that two-year-old look you right in the eye and lie to your face. And if you're a first-time parent, first thing that comes to your mind is, where did that come from? Well, it came from Genesis chapter 3. Because it's a part of who we are. It is now innate in our nature and this desire to do things our way rather than God's way creates a wedge in our relationship with him. And as the story of the Garden of Eden in Genesis unfolds, it reminds us how important it is that God always has a plan. Isn't that good news? And really, the, the rest of the Old Testament from Genesis chapter 3 on, I mean, you're a page and a half into the Bible and the problem's already presented itself. And the whole rest of the book is about God's solution. And by the time you get to Genesis chapter 10, you realize that, that God had this amazing plan. He was going to start with one person. With, with Abraham. And, and he was going to let Abraham create this great big family that wound up being a nation, the ancient nation of Israel. And almost all of the rest of the Old Testament is the 2,000-year saga of God dealing with Abraham's family, Israel. And just like every family, there was plenty of dysfunction along the way. But through it all, the Lord was preparing them to understand a few things about what he needed them to know, what he needs all of us to know, to clearly understand his plan in Jesus. And so he began to work with this nation of Israel to teach them a few really important things. And actually for this morning, I've, I've crystallized that into, into three specific lessons. The first one is this. There is only one God. Now, a lot of times we take that for granted. But throughout so much of history, it has been our propensity because this relationship has been broken with the Lord to try to create our own gods. And we do that by, by creating gods in our own image who are, who are like us, who are flawed, but are, are powerful. And you know, here we are in the 21st century, we think we're very sophisticated, and that that's just an ancient phenomenon. 
But have you ever watched any of these Marvel or DC comic movies? It is amazing to me. Because they've created contemporary pantheons. And, and, and they're, they're telling the story. And it all caters to this basic human understanding that we are under siege against something we cannot fight on our own. And so we need a hero of supernatural origins, perhaps someone from another planet, to come into our world and save us. And they're making billions of dollars telling that story, which is roughly familiar to exactly the same thing they were doing during Old Testament era. Creating their own gods to save them from this existential understanding that we can't do it on our own. And I know we're more sophisticated. I mean, we have better special effects than they did 3,000 years ago, for sure. But the same underlying urge remains that somewhere down deep inside of us, we know we can't get it done on our own. So God started with Abraham. And the first thing he wanted to teach him was, there aren't, there aren't many gods. They aren't coming from all over the place to save us. There's one God who created us. And that spiritual urge inside of us was made to be satisfied by him. Because he made us for a relationship with him. But you know how it is when relationships go amok. And that's where so much of the world was for so long. The next thing God wanted his people to know is that when you have the gift of freedom, it also creates personal responsibility. In other words, if I make choices, then I'm responsible for the outcome or the consequences of, of those choices. And so from the time of the Ten Commandments all the way through the prophets of the Old Testament, the message was the same. We can know what's right and wrong, and we are responsible for the choices that we make regarding that. That just like there's a physical universe that has laws that govern it, there are, there's a moral universe and laws that govern it as well. More about that later. The, the last lesson that God wanted to drill into these ancient nation of Israel, to these people, was that forgiveness exacts a cost. That we always have to pay a price if we are going to forgive. Uh, by the way, that's just, a, that's just a simple understanding in relationships, right? So if you take $100 from me and I forgive you, what did that cost me? Cost me $100, right? When, when you multiply that to the sin of all mankind, you start to get the understanding that, that sin exacts a cost. And the Lord gave the nation of Israel an elaborate sacrificial system to begin to understand what that was like. 
uh, I can't imagine what Old Testament temple worship was like. Before you went to the temple, you'd go out into the field and you would pick your best lamb. And you'd, you'd drag it with you to the temple. And when you got there, you would present it to the priest. And while you're standing there right in front of you, he would slit that animal's throat and bleed it out right in front of you. And that happened over and over again every day, year after year, for 2,000 years. Why? Because God, God wanted to, to drill it into his people's minds that forgiveness exacts a cost. And initially to help them understand that, it was the cost of the life of that animal. But he was preparing them for something much larger than that. And so over this period, this plan is, is being developed. And it's all, all to focus on one person. You know, if you want to read the story of the Bible, you think about it like this. It starts with one person. God's plan starts with Abraham. And Abraham's family turns into this great nation. And after a while, that great nation begins longing for the one person who is going to come and bring them salvation. And so it's this, it's this diamond shape that creates the story of the Bible because it's all about the fact that Jesus is coming. And he came to fulfill the plan that was established from before creation began. I, I, I know you know the story, but I, I, I never stop considering it a great privilege to remind you of the simple truth of the gospel. That, that Jesus came into this world to give himself as a sacrifice for sin. You heard me all during Christmas season reminding you that ultimately there are two issues that everybody has to come to grips with regarding Jesus. One is his identity and the other is his mission. During Christmas we focused on his identity. That he is God who became human. And he made this audacious claim. Here he is in flesh and blood, a human being in every way. But he comes along and he says, I am divine. What a shock to the system for so many people who lived during the days when he walked the dusty roads of this earth. But what you believe about him matters. He was not just a a, a, a story of someone who rises from poverty to great fame. It wasn't an underdog story. He wasn't just a martyr for a cause. He said, I am, I'm God. And I am, I am human. And of course, he came on a mission. And that mission was to give himself as a sacrifice to pay the price for sin. Popular belief about Jesus was that he would be a Messiah 
who would set up Israel again as a dominant world power, just like his ancestor David had done, that he would be a military conqueror. But God's designs were so much bigger than that. For God, it was always about providing a way for everyone to enter into relationship with him. It was always about creating a once and for all solution to this matter of forgiveness. And so Jesus came into the world in a quiet and, and unassuming way. And, and what he said is important. And how he lived is worthy of our study. But the real focus is what he did for us at the cross. That's the crux of the mission. And the cross was no accident. He wasn't swept into events beyond his control. It was an intentional act. In John chapter 10, just months before the crucifixion, Jesus said, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. So I, I guess the big question is, why should I believe in Jesus any more than I believe in some comic book character who comes alive on the big screen? Well, the answer to that is in the verification that Jesus gave of his claim about his identity. And that verification is the resurrection. Jesus said, I'm going to demonstrate who I am by coming back to life after I've died. Now, there have been religious leaders who have made all kinds of audacious claims throughout history. But there's only one who backed it up with such an incredible verification. And the resurrection does just that. Jesus predicted that he would spontaneously come back to life and that's just what he did. And, and, and that's why what we celebrate on Easter, well not just Easter, every Sunday is resurrection day. And that's why what we celebrate on this day is so important. It's the linchpin of everything we believe. In Romans chapter 10, 9, Paul wrote, If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Later on in 1 Corinthians 15, he said, If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. In other words, the challenge for every human being is to consider the implications of the resurrection. And, and if Jesus did indeed die and come back to life, it is the authentication of every claim he made, both about his identity and his mission. And it changes everything in terms of how we need to respond to him. And since we're marching through the Bible, that's really what most of the rest of the New Testament, all of those letters are about. They're mostly focused on our responsibility about how we respond to the reality that Jesus came and gave himself as a sacrifice to pay the price for our sin 
so that he could offer us the gift of forgiveness and establish a relationship with him that lasts all the way into eternity. So what is your responsibility? Well, you know, I just, I just love to make it as simple as possible, so I put it in terms of A, B, C, and D. And uh, if you've been here at Grace Point for very long and you've not heard this part, it's my fault. Because this is the essence of how you respond to the reality of the gospel. And it starts with A, ad admitting that you're a sinner. Romans 3.23 says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's a blanket statement, covers every one of us. But you know, we, we live in an era where people are trying to convince you that that's not an issue. We live in the I'm okay, you're okay era. And, and there's nothing wrong with you and what you believe about God, what you believe about yourself, what you believe about the world, that's your own personal business and, and, and it's okay because everybody gets to believe whatever they want to. And what that does is cut at the very heart of what God wants for you. So you'll remember uh, way back when, a few minutes ago, I said about the fact that because you have free will, you have responsibility. Well, here's part of the problem. Part of the problem is we forget that reality and, and uh, we try to avoid responsibility spiritually, sp spiritually speaking. Because uh, you will never seek forgiveness until you first accept responsibility. It's really simple. If you're convinced you've never done anything wrong, then you're sure you don't need to be forgiven for anything. And that turns into a part of how our world is teaching us to think these days. And so the first step is to understand that you are a sinner in need of a savior. And if you don't get there, you can't go on. But let's continue. Let's assume that intuitively, spiritually, you get that reality. So the next step is, well then, where do I find this salvation that I need? It's to be, believe, Jesus is the one who can forgive your sin. In Acts chapter 4, verse 12, Peter said, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. You know, we live in this smorgasbord of religious options, of moral options. We're told that whatever you think, whatever you feel, it's all okay. And the problem is there's this ongoing yearning inside of us to get it figured out. And that's why you need to believe in Jesus. You know, I, I think one of the most pernicious lies from Satan's subtle but direct attack on us is something I hear very often these days. 
And if you've been around me, you know it's one of my pet peeves. I hear people say how important it is for us to forgive ourselves. You need to forgive yourself. And that's how you get free. That, that is a misunderstanding. Because I just want to tell you, you can't forgive yourself. I, I know the sentiment is about, about leaving the past in the past. Do you want to know how you leave the past in the past? You receive the forgiveness that Jesus offers and then you live free in the context of what he has done for you. So no more of this navel gazing. No more of this trying to figure out life on my own. Believe in Jesus. Trust him. Know that he'll forgive you. That brings us to C in our alphabet. That's to confess your sin to God. 1 John 1.9 says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Uh, I call that the lock-solid guarantee in the Bible. That if you confess, he will forgive. And, and confession is simply this. Confession is taking responsibility, acknowledging my sinfulness, and admitting it to the Lord. It's basically saying, I need you. If I'm going to have spiritual satisfaction, if I'm going to be complete in my life. It means getting off the excuse train and recognizing that you need the Lord and asking for forgiveness. And the lock solid guarantee is when you do, God always forgives. By the way, here's another one of Satan's lies. He wants you to think that you have to get good enough in order to ask forgiveness. That, that, that you have to straighten things out on your own and then you can be holy enough to come to God. And Satan wants to convince you that's true. And Jesus wants you to know, spiritually speaking, it's always a come-as-you-are party. Wherever you are in life, if you go through this process, if you admit you need a Savior, if you believe Jesus is the one who can forgive your sins, if you confess to him, he will forgive you. It doesn't matter where you are in life. What an amazing gift. So if you're wondering whether you deserve forgiveness, let me just clear that up for you right now. You don't. Nobody does. That's why God keeps telling us that his offer of forgiveness is a gift. A gift is something you don't deserve. It's something that has been presented to you because you're loved. And that's how God wants us to understand relationship with him. And then once you've been forgiven, you have this privilege of initiating a life with the Lord. And you do that by deciding that you're going to be a follower. Because again, a relationship is not something that happens just in one moment. It's something that develops over time. Jesus said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily and follow me. Confession, 
leads to forgiveness, which leads to a new life, a building relationship. And we know the best relationships, although they start in a moment, they really grow over a lifetime. I've been thinking a lot about that recently. <clears throat> I remember the day I first met Cheryl. She didn't like me. But I'm persistent. And so our, our relationship really started with our first date. I took her roller skating. I tripped her and fell on top of her. But she's been my girl ever since. Because it starts in a moment and then it grows and grows over a lifetime. You know, that's, that's, your, that's your relationship with God. That's how Jesus wants it for you. He wants you to know how all of this works. And he calls us to be faithful. Actually, he calls us to be faithful to the last the way he was faithful to his mission. And since we're going all the way through the Bible, let me focus for just one moment on the book of Revelation, the last book in the Bible, which tells us that if we have that relationship with Jesus, we have a destiny. And that destiny is to be with him forever. It's been a joy for, uh, for me to study Revelation with many of you over these last months on, on Wednesdays. And what we've been discovering is that Revelation talks about what's going to happen in the end time, but it also keeps reminding us about the challenges that await believers, the stresses, the perseverance of our faith, and the destiny that we're promised and so we shouldn't be surprised when bad things happen to good people. Because there's this constant reminder in the Bible that it's about the culmination of what he has promised. That if we remain faithful, we have a destiny to be with Jesus forever. And, and Revelation culminates with this amazing, beautiful picture. The apostle has this vision. He says, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people. And God himself will be with them and be their God. And he will wipe every tear from their eyes and there'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. That's your destiny.
We made it all the way through the Bible. The amazing story of God's plan of salvation. The essence of what we believe. And, and maybe there's somebody here this morning who's heard this before and it's just striking a brand new chord. Or, or, or maybe you've never heard it put together as a plan from the beginning to the end, but suddenly it's making sense. I just want you to know this is a, this is a great day to start a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because all good relationships have a starting point and grow from there. Or maybe you've been a follower of Jesus for a really long time. And you know how relationship works. It has to be reconfirmed and, and, and uh, has to be reaffirmed in your life on a regular basis. So wherever you are spiritually, the, the, these next moments are for you. Just quietly be in the Lord's presence for just, just a moment. And, and be reminded of this whole amazing plan. That God knew from the beginning what it was going to cost. And he willingly created us because he wanted to experience true relationship with his creation. And even though it would cost him everything at the cross, he was willing on our behalf and then he offers us the gift. We can be forgiven and know him and love him and serve him and ultimately be with him forever. Thank you for all that. And so Lord, where, wherever we are here in this room, wherever people are who are watching online, this is a holy moment when we affirm the reality of the story of the Bible. And here, right now, we give ourselves to you. We give ourselves yet again. And we thank you. Help us to put what we believe into action in the crucible of real life, we pray. As we go now, in Jesus' name. Amen. Welcome back to the Galleon Grace Point Podcast. We are doing this identity series right now. And uh, last week we talked about who we are as a church. And this week uh, we went over what do we believe. Um, and I thought the part about responsibility was um, something that really stuck to me. Just the main points, you know, the A, B, C, D in there. A, admit. B, believe. C, confess. D, decide. 
Um, and ultimately we have a destiny. As long as we remain faithful, we will be with Jesus forever. But to me, what stuck out other than that, that was the most was just, um, when pastor Paul said, um, forgiveness, not feeling forgiveness, um, until you have forgiven somebody, you know, kind of touched on that last week a little bit, but that, and then just the relationship part of it, I feel like that's something that we focus on a lot in this church is building relationships, um, friendships. Um, and as he said, we were created for relationships. We were created spiritual beings. We were created sexual beings. We were made for a relationship with God and with others. And, um, we've touched on it a lot because this church is a lot like a family. We have a great family relationship in this church. And, you know, I took a lot of notes, um, other than the sermon notes here, which I actually forgot mine. I, I think I lost them at the basketball game yesterday, but uh, Pastor Paul kindly uh, refilled in the blanks for me. But um, some separate notes that I wrote on some paper is uh, pertaining to the, the relationship part. Um, being a family, uh, I wrote, seeing each one of you every Sunday, it, it spiritualizes me. It goes back to the relationship thing because we are a family. And you see part of our family right now with... Um, Pastor Paul, the Walters, the Riggles, they're, they're going through a hard transition in life right now. Um, Pastor Paul's wife passed away. She's a wonderful woman that's gone too soon, but you see them remain optimistic because they know she's home with Jesus. Um, she lived her life for Jesus, and that's where she's at. She, um, you know, I, just talking to Amanda um, at the calling hours, you know, she wished, she said she wished that she could be there to see her, her entrance into heaven and how beautiful it would have been. And I just I, seeing um, the emotion out of Pastor Paul in the sermon and just seeing our family rally behind everyone and love them and support them in this way. It's it's the best relationship. Um, I can't say much more about it. Um, the only other thing I wrote down that I wanted to add was uh, uh, emotion was something I would add because it's OK to be vulnerable in this church um, and to show your emotion. Uh, like I said, this church is your family. So if at any time you need anything, they're going to be there for you, um, without a doubt. And I can say that for sure. Cause uh, a couple of my buddies, um, that I, that I gained through this church, I had a sump pump failure on uh, Saturday night about 10 30. And I, I text, I text a couple of a text. Oh, got a little cut out there. Texted, uh, got a little mic. Oops. There we go. Texted a couple of them and, uh, to see if they had some parts for a pump and boom, Two of my buddies were there. Uh, Mike and Nate showed up. Uh, they said, homie down, and <laughs> came over and helped out. So it was awesome. But, uh, yeah, just focus on your responsibility. Admit you, admit you are a sinner. You will never seek forgiveness until you first accept responsibility. Um, and that's true. There's plenty of times, and Pastor Paul said it during the sermon, you know, the world wants to say you need to forgive yourself for something you're feeling that's forgiving yourself isn't the issue seek forgiveness from jesus and uh you're going to feel whole again that's how you're going to feel better um and believe that jesus can forgive your sin you cannot forgive yourself you need a savior right there it is confess my sins to god you don't deserve forgiveness that's why it is a gift decide to follow jesus the best relationships start in a moment and last a lifetime and uh to button up on that, uh, I think that's a, a kind of a, a good way to start. The best moments start in a moment and last a lifetime. Uh, first moment I had with 
the guest this week, uh, Coach Dave Sheldon from Colonel Crawford. Uh, started in a moment in probably sixth or seventh grade when I first met the guy, and here I am. Uh, he's been there for 18 years now, we just talked about, and uh, we're still uh, chit-chatting. Um, I kind of talked to Dave about the podcast before it had really taken off. Um, I was at a football game. We were watching my brother play and kind of talking about starting a faith podcast, and he just goes, hey, man, I'll come on. I'll share my testimony, and I'm uh, I'm super happy he's here. So, uh, Coach, welcome. Thanks for having me, Zach. Um, I, I truly appreciate you coming on. Sorry, just gonna turn that down a second. But uh, so uh, I'm not. I know uh, it's kind of a new podcast, and uh, we're in the heart of basketball season going on. But uh, the way I start off these interviews is kind of uh, asking about you know your early life and stuff, and then we'll kind of get into your testimony and your faith. I've got a, a bunch of little pinpoints here to uh, to ask you about. So. Uh, Coach, kind of tell me about your early life growing up, where you went to school and everything. I know your dad was the the, the head, uh, the boys' head basketball coach at Winford. Kind of walk me through that up until high school. You know, uh, I was born up in Bryan, Ohio. My father was a coach at a small school way northwest, almost in Michigan at North Central. Uh, and then when I was three in 1979, we moved to Crawford County. My father in 79 got the head basketball job at Winford. And so I went to elementary, junior high, and high school all through uh, at, to Winford, and it was a great experience. Uh, and uh, looking back, uh, it really molded me as an individual. And then after high school, I went on and had the opportunity to play four years of college basketball at Bluffton University and uh, enjoyed every minute. And that's where I really got into my faith when uh, I went to Bluffton. We, you know, we had a service every week we had to go to, and that's when I started asking questions. We went to church when I was a kid. We never missed on Sunday, but it was just that's what you do. Right. But I really developed my faith with Jesus when I went to college and took the next step and accepted him as my personal Savior. But then after Bluffton, uh, you know, I wanted to be in the NBA someday. That was my goal. And I knew I wasn't going to be a player when you're 5'8", 130 pounds when you graduate so I went the business side so I was very fortunate after Bluffton I got a job with the Charlotte Hornets and I was in ticket sales there uh, in Charlotte for six months and then I before that I did an internship up in a minor league hockey team in Cleveland well that guy who took a job with the Orlando Magic and I was doing well in Charlotte and he called me up and he said, hey, I got an opportunity for you to lead a sales staff with the Magic. So then I went to Orlando, and I spent two and a half years there in Orlando. Uh, and it was great. Uh, I was very fortunate. Uh, I was blessed financially with that job. But I was missing something. You know, I was like, you know, my dad never worked a day in a life because he was with kids. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, I don't want to chase money. It. You talked about your sermon relationships. Yeah. And I was like, I want to go back and teach and be with kids every day. So I made a decision. Uh, I, I was at an NBA meeting in Chicago uh, at the time, and the Cavs had an or, uh, opening. So I took a job with the Cavs for one year. But while I was with the Cavs, I was taking night classes to get my education degree. Okay. So it, it's funny you say that because I can remember, you know, in high school, um, I don't remember the exact instance, but uh, I think it may have been just, you know, uh, not necessarily a pep rally, but uh, an assembly that uh, I remember it stuck out to me one time. You said you never felt like you worked a day in your life. You love walking into Colonel Crawford every day and seeing the students, and uh, I can see that in you all the time. You're exactly right. And, you know, after the Cavs, I was fortunate. I got hired at Cyrus and I was at Cyrus for four years, and it was a great four years. But then I had an opportunity to become the head basketball coach at Colonel Crawford, and then the past 18 years I've been 
blessed amazingly not just basketball it's everything around Crawford the kids our administration our board of education and the relationships that I've been able to grow the past 18 years yeah absolutely and you've you've built a heck of a program um so before I get to some other questions I just kind of want to ask so you know I told you I listened to your dad's podcast and one thing he said, um, it must have been something you inherited from him because he was kind of talking about uh, the first and second seasons there at Winford. You know, I, I think they had um, a little bit of trouble, a little bit of a rocky start, and he went into it, His I believe his third year, he said he had to meet with the school board because they weren't sure if they were really going to retain him or hold him because they were kind of struggling. And I liked what he said because he goes, listen, I'm not going to be able to turn this program around with this class right here. I've got to start all the way down here in like the fourth and fifth grades. And so that had to have been something you've inherited because, you know, I, I've seen how involved you are with the younger kids, you know, not even just the little Eagle camps and stuff, but, you know, and not even just at the school. I'll see you at the uh, Cyrus YMCA games and stuff like that. So how did that kind of develop, you know, developing those young players? You know, that's where I got my foundation from my father. You know, he's in every Hall of Fame across the state as a coach. And when we took the job, you know, our first year, we only won seven games, Zach. But that first year, we started Little Eagles. Mm -hmm. Every Saturday morning, we were doing all fundamentals, not playing games, fundamentals, fundamentals, and developing. And I really feel that's the core to your group. And the other thing, not just the basketball, you start to develop relationship with those kids in third and fourth grade. And the neat thing now, you know, it was a challenge when we started. But 18 years later, I remember when Trevor Vote, Ryan McMichael were third graders. Right, yeah. You know, I remember, and you get to tell those kids now, you know, all those kids love LeBron and yeah. Steph Curry, but they can see and feel the Ryan McMichaels and Trevor Votes because they see them on the football field. Yep. They see them on the basketball floor. They see them on the track, and it's like, whoa, these are real people. Yep. You know, it's a better relationship, and uh, I think that's been the foundation of our program. Yeah. It starts at the elementary, and, you know, it just keeps rolling because – those little kids want to be the next Trevor Vote, Ryan McMichael, and prior to them, the Mason Studers, yep. you know, all the way down. So that's definitely the foundation that started at night. I, 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 your sermon is perfect for this past week. And it's not just the basketball, but relationships. Yep. I see them in the hallway during the day. Hey, how's it going over there? And, you know, you, then those kids later on will buy into what we're trying to do at the high school level. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and that kind of sets a uh... – a responsibility you know another thing that I mentioned from the sermon but uh, you, you mentioned seeing like Trevor and McMichael in third grade well you know the, the ball boys on the team right now that are in fourth grade and like Will Cole and those kids like they're looking up at Trevor right now but Trevor and Ryan can remember being that age and be like okay I've got to be what they are thinking of me because that's who I thought of you know at that age it was probably an Austin Smith or a Blade Tackett or something but yeah so they it kind of sets a a responsibility and um to be a role model for those kids that they're watching to to set the standard, you know, uh, to to quote my favorite coach, the standard is the standard from Mike Tomlin. <laughs> You're exactly right, Zach. And we talk to our guys a lot. You know, they don't want to get up on Saturday mornings and come into the Eagles. Those kids would rather sleep, especially yep. we have night games, you know, before. But I'm like, guys, this is your way of giving back. Kids did this for you, and these guys look up to you. They're following everything. And we talk about, you know, after we leave the gym, let's make sure we're making smart decisions. Yep. Because every day you pick up the paper in the Telegraph Forum, Crawford County Now, WMFD TV, you read about Trevor Vote, Ryan McMichael, Payne DeGray. Yeah. I said, you're in the limelight when you're in athletics in the arena. Yep. And 
we got to make sure we're making good decisions outside here when we're developing into human beings because these little kids all look up to you. Yeah. Well, and it's a lot more difficult now too, uh, compared to 18 years ago when you first started, because, uh, you know, like I, you know, I mentioned, you know, an Austin Smith or Blade Tech at, at the, those, those guys were my age and were the leaders of the team. And, you know, Blades went on to success at Northmore as a coach and AD and everything. But it was a lot easier on us because we didn't have all of uh, social media tracking everything we do. And uh, if we made a mistake, it was we made a mistake and that was between us and God, whereas it can be out there in the public real quick if you make a mistake now. Yeah, you're exactly right. And we talked to him about, you know, the only social media I have is Twitter. I don't even have Facebook, Zach. Yeah. But, you know, these guys have Snapchat and all this. And it's like, guys, you got to make good decisions. Because when you're at top, at the top, like a lot of our success in our football, basketball, track programs, yeah. everybody from the outside is looking to bring you down. Oh, yeah. Because they, they get jealous. Yeah. Okay. And we talk about if you make one wrong decision, it's, it's the people outside. Hey, guess what this coach did? Guess what this player did yeah. outside of here? And we talk about that and that's how life is yep. when you you know you're preparing kids for life through sports yep. i've always said I, I and nothing i'm i'm all about academics but the lessons you learn in athletics are sometimes more important than english or history because in athletics you got to face some adversity yeah. you have to you lose or you don't play a good game you get the high of winning you know then the the agony of defeat well guess what later in life you're going to have that yep. somebody on our team is going to go through a divorce yeah. you're going to have deaths and you know ultimately that's where you look re- that you rely on your personal relationship with Jesus to get you through that stuff, Zach. Yeah, yeah. But we talk to our kids, you're learning life lessons through the athletic arena. Yeah. And, and back to that relationship thing, uh, you know, these, your teammates are going to be your friends for life. And so, like you said, in those sad circumstances, you're going to go through life, you know, you're going to remain that team and they're going to be there with you. So it, it, it's really cool. But to, to, to kind of touch on a little bit more, you know, I mentioned some of the older, you know, guys, how do you, how do you pinpoint a leader? You know, something about your, um, your time at Colonel Crawford, I've noticed like, and it's not just, you know, it, it kind of sounds almost stupid. Cause it's like, well, of course the leader is always going to be the point guard, but not necessarily, you know, because some of these guys I mentioned, they weren't always the point guard, but how do you pinpoint a leader such as an Austin Smith, a Mason Studer, a Blade Tackett, a Trevor, Jordan Fenner? Like, how do you find that leader? And how does, and I, I guess you might not even be able to answer this question, but how is it so portrayed to someone like me who's in the stands that that's the leader of the team? You know, we talk a lot about it. You know, one on one, I talk to them, and I also talk about their work ethic. You know, I've had quiet leaders that just, they work their tail off, and not just during practice, it's the off-season, the weight room, it, getting extra shots, you know, that kind of stuff, their actions. But I've also had vocal leaders. So every year it's a different identity depending on your makeup, and we talk a lot. You know, I'll talk to, like this year, Trevor and Ryan one-on-one. Guys, what's going on with this? I need your help behind the scenes. What's going on in the locker room? Who's struggling? Yeah. You know, I need that because I'm not always with them. And kids will talk to their players and the teammates more than coach sometimes so you rely on them and sometimes you have tough conversations with leaders and you talk about for us to be successful we need to talk about the good and the bad and you just try to develop and and it's the kids that have been in the program and understand right you know that's how you develop leaders they've seen the mason studers this group of seniors above them right you know the jordan fenners you talked about they don't know the austin smiths because that was so so far ago right you know last year braxton baker you know so i think they just 
coming through the program, you see them. We talk about what is expected of a leader. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. And like I said, it's very apparent when you're there. You you can tell who the who's who's going to get the team together you know in adversity when you're uh when you're playing Winford and you're down by eight points and then uh rally for a comeback you know you saw who had the ball in their hands and who got them there <clears throat> so back to the the faith a little bit I, I kind of got two different uh two different ways to uh to look at it so I you know kind of want to touch on your faith just in general a little bit more but also faith and coaching because you know you do coach for a public school this isn't you know a, a christian school so how do you how do you kind of walk that line and in inserting your faith into the players and then coaching and uh, even your time as ad you know i don't preach it to them but i talk about you know relationship with jesus i i, I bring it up you know but i don't preach it to them yeah um and you know you talk about my faith you know, I really took the next step I said in college, and that's when I started getting into the Word yeah. and reading it and instead of just in my actions and that. And, you know, I'm an intense coach. Yeah. I'm very intense and demanding of our players. But what people, you know, that's what the, the, the misconception of coaching, because I think coaching is a psychology, not just X's and O's. So people in the stand see you on Friday night, but they don't see me behind the scenes when I'm having conversations. I'm texting my kids, hey, how are you doing this? All of football, all of their other sports, I'm supporting and, you know, pulling them out of class, laughing, joking about things other than basketball. And that's how you can develop that and be intense on a Friday night, because it's more than what those people in the stand see there's a lot more behind the scenes with the relationships and we talk about that you know i don't demand this or talk but that's your relationship with jesus mm -hmm. you know every sunday i'm in a sunday school bible study i'm in church and i just re reiterating i am a big proponent and i push young life is in our schools right now i'm yeah. not sure if you've heard of that yeah. and i think it's the best way to get to kids right now yeah, so that's because kind of instead of it. just throwing the Bible, kids don't want to read the Bible, you know, but you're they, they, the young life. They have a great time. And then there's a lesson every night. Yeah. We've had kids go to young life camp. And I think it's a great way to get through kids this day and age. Yeah. So is that, you know, right now, like Brantley's age group in elementary, they have uh, LifeWise. So is it basically like the next step, like the high school version? Of yes, that? it is. Okay. And uh, at our school, Michael Hurls and Andy Cochran run it, and they have club every Monday night. They yeah. go to Michael's, and they play games, and yeah. they have fun. They have food and, you know, pop and stuff. But then at the end, they do a lesson every night, and kids get to hear the word. Okay. And then they'll do, we, we call it campaigners, but they have Bible studies at our school on Thursdays before school. Okay. And that's for the high school kids. And, you know, I'm a very big supporter of that. My wife and I uh, financially help support and do things because I think it's a great way to re reach kids. Because like you said, Zach, it, from back when I graduated in 1994, it's totally make up with kids. The social media, we didn't have cell phones, the texting, the, um, the peer pressure right. is unbelievable. So if you can get a little relationship with Jesus and start to insert it into their lives i think it helps them get through all the pressures of being a teenager this day and age absolutely so what you know uh young life wasn't uh i don't believe at least it was started when i was in school but i remember we had fca is that still around or you know it's funny you say that when i was at besides i was the fca leader yeah. and we had a lesson
and everything. And then I came to Crawford, and we had FCA as well, Fellowship of Christian Athletes, for those listening that don't know what it may, means. And But then Young Life came in, and that has sort of taken over. Okay. And uh, I think Young Life is even a better step because of getting kids. You're getting kids in the Young Life that don't even go to church on Sundays. Right, yeah. You know, and uh, not, not getting anything. And so I think it's been a great step, and it's all of Crawford County. It's not just Colonel Crawford. It's Winford. It's Besires. It's Buckeye. Yeah. And that's the great thing about this program. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's awesome. And so, um, you know, you kind of said you're you're a passionate coach. You know, um, a lot of people. You know, I'm talking to. I said, you know, I got Coach Sheldon coming on the uh, coming on the podcast this week, and uh, a lot of the first questions were, is he going to sound like his normal voice, or is it going to be his uh, Friday and Saturday night voice? Uh, you know, because Coach is a very animated uh, guy out on the court, but uh, always respectful too. And uh, for those of you that don't know. His wife is also a coach. She is the uh, ladies' head basketball coach at Winford, and uh, both of your daughters are now playing, right? Yeah, I have one that's a freshman and one seventh grader, and this is Amy's 28th year at Winford as head coach. Okay, awesome. Well, that kind of – well, I I guess before I get to this next one, um, so you kind of hold quite a few different roles in the state as far as basketball goes. Um, I don't don't have all the titles in front of me, but – I guess the question I would have is, you know, I already said, you, I remember you saying um, at an assembly one day about coming into school every day, you don't feel like you're at work, you love coming to, coming to work, you love your job. So what does make your job, not only at Colonel Crawford in the school, but um, the the head of the, the, the basketball situation period, what makes that so special? I just seeing kids grow, you know, you go back to our little Eagles, seeing them in third, second, third grade and see them develop into men by the time they graduate. Yeah. And, you know, I always tell my seniors when they graduate and, you know, I tell my parents, you know, I just appreciate having a small part of their life. Yeah. And I think that's the thing that I love seeing kids grow and turn into the men's and, you know, kids go through ups and downs. It's not always great as they go through school and you're there for the good and during the, the tough times you know we've had kids that their parents have got divorced they've lost things you know they've got into the wrong stuff and we've had to get them off that path right you know and i think that's the part that i enjoy the most seeing kids grow and this the relationships you build and now 18 years later you've brought up austin smith's name several times Mm -hmm. the proudest moment of a coach is I've been to so many weddings now. You know, Austin Smith, Jordan Shell, the list goes on. And I'm just thinking recently, going to those and seeing what these kids have turned into, not only as, uh, you know, as they became family man, Blade Tackett has two kids now, yeah. and seeing them grow that way. And then also in their careers, it's the proudest moment of coach, seeing them turn into great young man. Yeah. And, you know, you get together, it's, it's always fun. They tell stories, coach, remember when you were doing this? Coach, you're so much softer now than when you coached <laughs> us. You know, the laughs and you can get back and that's why i try to tell our guys right now you know after saturday night we were very fortunate we had a great double weekend yeah. beat a very good mohawk and lucas team yeah. and i told our guys afterwards hey we're gonna take a couple days off we don't play the next saturday i looked at my two seniors i said guys we only have nine more regular season date games in your career and then the tournament yep. make the most of it because oh, yeah. a lot of times kids think oh i gotta go practice again right but you look back when it's done it's like my if i could go one more time out on friday night lights whether football basketball and you try to t- talk to them and that's what you hear from your former teammates so that's a that big thing of the relationships you develop and seeing kids grow into men yeah 
And kind of two points that it's funny you say that about the Friday Night Lights and everything. I remember talking to a, a buddy of mine, former teammate, at one point, and I was like, honestly, man, like, don't get me wrong, I miss the games, but you said it with practice. I'm like, I, just going out for one more practice, one more walk through. Um, would it would be awesome but uh you know you also talked about the weddings and going to former players and stuff and that goes back to that relationship thing because you know uh, my guess is there was a lot of other teammates at that wedding too it wasn't just you were showing up at this one guy's wedding yeah you know at austin smith it was this fall in Springs. there was 15 of our former players yeah and they're like coach let's get a picture you know i'm a little bit heavier than back then and those guys <laughs> are a little bit heavier yeah. than when they were playing for me so it was neat we had a group of 15 at smitty's wedding jordan Chelsea year before and it's just it's it's very special and those are the times those are more important now than all the championships we've won you know just developing and seeing them grow yeah did anybody bring up sheldon in a bottle oh uh, yes they have there's been a lot of stories about that and other things and uh it, it, we all laugh about it now oh, yeah absolutely uh it was a it was a funny video uh skit that uh it was what mitch alt and yep. uh, all those guys it was a funny i tried to find it a while back i don't think it's out there anymore i think coach had it removed from the internet no, I, <laughs> no. I don't know how to do that stuff <laughs> um so there was a, a another thing and i've kind of got some quotes from you in here but uh i've talked about him quite a bit on this podcast because um you know i've loved i loved my time at, at crawford and in this community um love that my kids are, are you know brantley's there right now my daughter will be there eventually but uh you know two years ago we lost a big chunk of that when we lost coach tag and um when we when we when we focus on the faith in the uh the program at the school um i can't think of a bigger proponent than him and um you know i i wrote down your your quotes because i remember when uh telegraph form put out the article um what you said about him you know you went on about his accomplishments as a football coach but you almost like abruptly stopped right there and you go but more than that teg changed kids lives and he said, when I think of Teg, he was a disciple of Jesus living. That's what he was here. He was a disciple on earth. Every one of us can follow his lead. The impact he had on our kids, the community, and everything. And, you know, I, I've talked about it. I grew up in the Catholic school and came to Colonel Crawford in seventh grade, you know, right around the time you were arriving there. And then Teg came in my sophomore year and had Dawson before that. And I just remember, like, our first, I, I, our first weightlifting, our first practices, you know, conditioning, like having our prayer. And I just remember thinking like, are we allowed to do this? And there was no questioning that with coach tag. And, uh, so I, I kind of wanted you to touch on, um, tag as a whole, any stories with him, just who he was as a person, then just the impact that, um, he left on this community and on the, on the school. You know, in my 18 years, it's, the greatest hire I ever made as an athletic director yeah, I agree. by bringing him to Colonel Crawford, not just because of the success of our football program now and Mr. Bruner's carried it on, but because of what you just said, the relationship and the difference he made in kids' lives. And he made a huge impact on my life. I miss him daily. We had so many talks behind the scenes. How do you deal with this as a Christian coach? And how do you deal with this? And he was such a leader and a father figure to me yeah. with my relationship with Jesus and coaching yeah. and what the big perspective is when when you're looking at the, this and uh you know uh it, it's it's a big loss for our community you know we moved on but you're never going to replace somebody yeah. like that and uh he lived it every day yeah. and he was intense 
but he knew what the most important thing in life was. Yes, and he put me in perspective and in my place at times, which I need. Yeah. You know, he really did that people don't understand. And uh, he was a great man and, uh, you know, a huge asset of why our school district's doing so well to this day yeah. is because of Ryan Tegelvik's impact. And not just as a football coach, but as a guidance counselor and helping other kids in that school that were struggling at times, yeah. you know, ment- mentally, you know, physically things they were going through. So uh, he was the epitome of what it meant to be a Christian coaching. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And, you know, I, I remember when he passed, I was reading online, um, a lot of former students, players and everything. And, and I think the student asked, uh, aspect is what stuck out to me the most. I, I can't remember. Oops. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> uh, uh, just a phone fell down. <laughs> but, uh, I remember, I can't remember the person's name. I wasn't familiar with them. I think they were substantially younger at Crawford than I was, but, uh, he was kind of talking about, you know, Teg, Teg stood firm on everything. He, you know, his, his beliefs and everything. And so when it came to, you know, political things, he had a stance and, he let you know it. He wasn't hiding from it. Same with his Christianity. And, you know, this student was on the opposite side of things. And he goes, you know, I really respected Teg because he would have this conversation with me and he would respect my views. Even if he disagreed with them, he respected them and we could have a cordial relationship and have a friendship, even though we disagreed on these things. And I saw that a lot in Teg. I mean, he was, he was such a great leader on that front, but, uh, you know, it's too bad he's not around because he would be the ultimate and the best podcast on here. <laughs> yeah, I'm just telling you because he had a way with words and it all came back to the Bible and, yes. you know, his relationship with Jesus. Yeah, it, it, absolutely. And, you know, I, I totally love what's going on in the football program right now and everything. And it's no disrespect to anybody. But, you know, a guy like that is irreplaceable. Yeah. He, he truly is. And was looking forward to uh, a, a, a lot more years with him at Colonel Crawford, unfortunately. That time was cut short from pancreatic cancer, but I mean, even his battle through that up until the very end, I mean, what was it a week before he passed, he was out at the state track meet watching his kids. Like, yeah, I remember, I mean, cause I was AD at the time and I, we drove his van around he's, cause he's watching Nick and Molly perform in the disc shot. And that was a tough day. We cried. It was my last time talking to him. Yeah. And, uh, he's just, uh, he was an amazing human being, but it just shows you the Christians out there. This guy followed them, walked the wall. But God has a plan, and sometimes we don't understand, and we got to trust it. And I always came back, you know, to Proverbs uh, chapter 3, 5, and 6. It's my favorite verses in Bible. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and he will direct your paths. And Teg, even up to that last minute, he was ready to go be with Jesus. Sometimes you don't know why, but he was ready to win the ultimate football game into heaven yeah yeah and i thought it was a great honor at his funeral when uh he got a lap around the track and rang the, yeah. the victory bell you know because you know it, i didn't necessarily love the the title of the article with you know him losing his battle to cancer because although he lost his life like he won the ultimate battle he was he, he truly was the ultimate warrior i know i've talked about him countless times on here but it's because um you know I, I've, you know, I've been blessed to have my father and a stepfather, Coach Sheldon, but Coach Tag was just right up there with everybody. Um, and and he passed it on, not only to me, but to so many former people. You know, like I said, I'm a mailman in Shelby, and that's where Tag lived. And, you know, he saw me. He was pulling his car over and having a conversation and everything. But, um, you know, I know my brother was on the way home from the state track meet when I got the news about Tag, and, you know, I called him and let him know, and he was all emotional. And I think Trev was a sophomore at that point. And uh, 
they uh, a bunch of them went out to the football field that night, you know, to kind of mourn and just to have their time and pray. And who shows up? Nick Teglovic. And Trev called me that night. And he was like, dude, like, I don't even know how to describe it. But he was like, he was comforting us in that moment. And it's kind of crazy, you know, to think about that. But that's just the type of man he was. Like, he truly instilled faith in his kids. And, you know, I see his daughters all the time when I stop at their bakery and, they really are just living examples of tag. And so even though he's gone, you know, th- that's our duty on earth is to leave this legacy behind, leave this earth a better place when we're done. And he definitely did that. And his kids are doing that too. And, you know, y- you go back to Proverbs when you're saying trust in the Lord. And at that moment, when you hired him, that must have been what you were doing, because I don't think even you could have imagined the impact that he was going to have no and I knew about Ryan before he came you know he was at Mount Vernon at the time and I, I still remember going to school where I said we don't even need to interview I know the guy we need here yeah and they trusted me and you know and and I said this guy's not only a great football coach but he's going to be the best thing for our entire student body absolutely and as you've said Zach with your kind words that's exactly what he did and you know I'd look at his family how they've dealt that his wife teaches for my wife my wife's an elementary principal too and she teaches at Winford yep. Amy got her a job when Coach Tag passed away. And, uh, you know, their family lives that. And that's how important our relationship with Jesus is because they lost their father at way too young of an age. But they know where he's in a better place. And, yes, they mourned and grieved. But your relationship with Jesus can get you through these times because we're all going to leave here. What we're doing here on earth means nothing, ultimately, unless you're being a disciple and leading people to other people to Jesus Christ. Yep, absolutely. And just, uh, you know, one more uh, pinpoint on that about the the strength of that family. And uh, so the funeral for Teg was, uh, and the calling hours were held at the school in the gymnasium because I don't think it could have been held anywhere else. I mean, I believe I stood in line for three hours. And uh, so I get up to the family. Finally, I'm giving hugs and uh, I get up to Mama Teg and uh, before I can even spit out any words and I'm trying to scramble and hold tears back, you know, looking at coach and everything. And, you know, there's this picture of him, you know, a great big picture. And it, it just kind of hit me because that was the gift that the senior moms gave out. Like I have that one of me from my senior year and I'm like, wow, like it's just crazy, but I'm hugging mama tag before I can even say anything. And she's like, do you know how much you meant to him? He truly cared about you. And I lost it at that moment. And I know she meant it because not just me, but everybody. I mean, um, Nick mentioned it. Nick, Coach Tech's son, mentioned it in that article. You know, uh, Robbie, Brandon Robinson was in Australia and reached out to him. And, you know, I kind of felt that – I kind of felt that um, that calling from him – after he passed because I hadn't talked to Brandon in years and we were we were tight like that and you know Brandon's in the military and traveling all the time and then um probably six seven eight teammates you know we're all talking to each other and just reminiscing talking about tag and then you know one of our former teammates was um kind of struggling with some stuff at the time and Brandon said hey you know if I was there I would want to go reach out to this guy you know he talked to me and um, Brandon said that his exact words were to him like, dude, you contact me is like the best thing that's happened to me in years because, you know, he'd been going down a path. And so, you know, us teammates kind of got together and trying to, you know, check in on him and make sure he's doing all right. And I just I kind of felt like that was a final gift from Teg for all of us. And uh, um, you probably don't know this yet, but um, so me, um, I believe Jason Phillips and uh um, one of my friends here at church, Nate Lovely, he actually used to be the OC at Galleon for the football team. Are going to be coaching the uh, fifth grade tackle team this year, and you know, uh, depending on where Trev goes, he's going to help out. But um, 
we're going to get a little Teglovic back in the Colonel Crawford family because Nick's going to help out with the football team this summer. So we're going to get a little bit of that back. And uh, I've kind of said it on here a lot of times. It's uh, I just want to start at a young age, instilling into them what Teg instilled to me. You know, kind of like you're doing with Little Eagles and just seeing seeing that develop. I you know, although I'm only going to be doing it in fifth grade, maybe sixth grade, whatever. I'm going to be seeing these guys on the Friday night lights soon, and um, hopefully I can lead them to be better men and uh, men that are uh, men of Jesus mm-hmm. at that point, just like Ted did with me, because uh, the impact is uh, incredible. And it'll, it'll go on forever. His Absolutely. impact. You talk about Brandon Robinson. I remember Teg being so proud of that kid because Brandon had a tough upcoming. Absolutely. And they go in the military and the relationships and seeing those Father kids. Father away our senior year. Yes, he did. And they just used to ring a bell. And that's the neat thing. Teg's legacy will live through his former guys now like you and so many more. I can't even mention them all. Yep, yep. And I remember that uh, we all showed up to jerseys at uh, Robbie's dad's funeral. And, uh, you know, we're kind of – huddling up in the parking lot and Teg says, Robbie, you, uh, you want to say anything or you want to do anything? And Robbie goes, Eagle Jacks out in the parking lot of the funeral home. And, you know, normally Teg was just standing there watching us do him. He joined in the whole staff and that was, uh, man, just the strength from that. And, you know, we, uh, we played Winford right after that and Brandon rips off this huge touch. And, and at that time, Winford was a powerhouse in football. I mean, they had Browsey and uh, what was it, Eatman. They yeah. ended up going to I think D1. I went after an official that night yes. because he's praying and yes, pointing up pointing to his dad. I went after an official because of that. Yes. cost us a game, yes. Zach. It did. It did. It did. It absolutely did. But just, uh, yeah, I, I had to put that in there because, uh, like I said, I, I know a lot of people that listen to this don't know it, but uh, even my buddy Neil, when I was talking about Teg on one podcast, he's like, man, I wish I could have met the guy. He sounds incredible, and I wish a lot of people could have yeah. met him. You know, uh, We're very fortunate that we had the opportunity to have a relationship with him. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely we are. Um, miss him every day. So, um, <clears throat> so I guess before I ask you um, – some some questions that some former players and friends of yours had. Um, there was a couple things. Um, first of all, I just wanted to uh, say this. Um, so you coached uh, at Bucyrus for four years before you came to Crawford, and one of your former players at Bucyrus is a good buddy of mine, Joe Klein, and uh, he's always said this, you know, and I think it happened a few years ago because I've noticed you've stepped in and uh, kind of had a quote ever since, but you know, he said, Winford was always playing chess while everybody else was playing checkers. You know, Bucyrus and all these teams were having one stacked seventh and eighth grade team while Winford's splitting up their players and having two evenly based teams. So they may not have been winning all the games in seventh and eighth grade, but suddenly they get into high school and they're playing together. And Joe said it before. He's like, you know, your, your worst player on this other team ended up being the best player in high school because of the development. And that goes back to Little Eagles and everything. But, uh, yeah, I just I wanted to mention that because that quote has always stuck out to me from Joe, and clearly that's something you know that's then been passed on to you. Yeah, and you know what's changed is from when Joe was playing and I was coaching. Now that starts third through six, playing on Sunday afternoons, and our proponent and we always have we split our teams up yeah. evenly third through six, and and I've had to, people argue. Uh, I've had parents say well, we should put the best kids together. I said, no, 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 no. We're splitting them up. There's no championships. There's no banners in third. We're developing kids still. Yep. And even in third and sixth, then they have to deal with every once in a while losing instead of stacking a team. Yeah. And you're developing that eighth, ninth guy that, you know, 
boys especially more than girls, they're not matured all the way in third through sixth. Right. And I think that's been a huge thing for us, you know, because of splitting up teams over the years. I, I take a kid like Jake Maddie last year for us. He was an All-Ohioan as a senior. Yeah. He never even got to play in junior high, hardly. Right. And then his freshman year, played all freshmen, didn't play even JV, didn't really shine to his senior year. And that's a kid, if we would have put the best kids back together, he would have never been a part of our program. Yeah, he wouldn't have stuck it out. Yeah, absolutely. And that that was the quote I was getting to is, you know, at these coaches meet or at these parents meetings before the basketball season starts for elementary and junior high. Can't tell you how many times I've heard you say, look up in this gym right now. Do you see the fourth grade championship? Do you see the fifth grade championship? No they it doesn't matter just like you know kind of this mobl league there isn't no trophies at the end of that tournament it is about development and yeah. that is the, the the greatest thing developing the skills making these boys become men leading them to christ yeah. it's it's fantastic <clears throat> so i had uh like i said i had asked a, a a couple questions from people um you know memories and stuff like that um but one um trevor told me he uh said uh one of his favorites is uh your celebration dance after the winford game uh, last week he said it was fantastic he had to reenact it for me but uh and so before i ask you these two questions and they might just be inside joke questions but uh he told me you'll know who uh, asked him after i get through the second one but um this person wanted to know who's a better singer you or Paige, and he's comparing it to he thinks it was you singing Take Me Out to the Ball Game at a pep rally um, when Winford was the state runner-up in either 86 or 87. Uh, uh, Paige is definitely the better singer. <laughs> Hands down, my daughter, that's for sure. Okay. And actor. She's an unbelievable actress as well. Um, and then he said, is it true during warm-ups when you would get the rebounds, you would only pass it to Mike McGuire and Phil Gephardt? Yeah, they, they you pass it to the best players, and those were the best to ever play at Winford. So that was that was definitely true because I didn't have to p pass it to Shane Grove or Phil Cross because the only way they were allowed to shoot is if Mac or Geb missed a shot and they got an offensive rebound. <laughs> okay, well you said it. It was Grove that asked the question. Oh goodness. So um, just to wrap up on a few things, what's what's the future looking like, Coach? Do you have an idea of how long you're uh, you're going to play ball or? Uh, Coach Ball, what do you, what do you, what's the future hold for you? You know, two years ago, I was fortunate. The board hired me to be the treasurer at Colonel Crawford. And, you know, that was a great move for me, you know, getting into central office. It was also a very important for my family. Because as AD, Zach, you know, my daughter's 14 and 12. When I was AD all those years, they go to Winford because Amy's been there 28 years. Yeah. And it's, you know, that's where we do. She raised my kids while I was an AD and helping to run junior high, all the events. Yeah. And by making that move to central office, it's been great because I get to go watch my kids. Yeah. For so long I raised and was with everybody else's kids. Yeah. Well, it gets to the point, you know, my three, um, you know, most important things in life is number one's God. Yep. Number two's family. Number three's Colonel Crawford. Right. Well, Colonel Crawford was getting above family guys. I was missing my kids' stuff. I'm like, I got to reprioritize. Right. So that's why I moved to central office, and I don't have to be at all the Crawford events now yeah. as treasurer. So that's been a great move for my family. But as for me, you know, I've coached for 22 years, for Cyrus and 18. And you go year by year as you get older and do it, but I still have a passion for it. That's I have clear. a passion. It's, you know, with being in central office, my favorite part of the day right now is 3 to 5. 
the two hours I'm in the practices with my guys. Yeah, you know, that's my favorite part because, you know, in Central Office, you're not around kids. You know, to this day, um, every day I go eat lunch where the kids are. Yeah. I don't sit in my office. I could go out to lunch. But if I don't have meetings, I go over to our lunchroom and sit where our kids are because I need to see kids. But you know how it is. You go in different phases in the circle of life yeah. in the seasons of life. Right. And right now with my kids, I want to see them in – I've been a proud dad getting to just go watch my daughters and support them when supporting all these kids through the years. So that's been a good change. As for the future, you know, you just you go year by year and yeah. see what it is. But I still have a passion. And I love going in the gym on Saturday mornings at 8 a.m. Yep. Seeing those little guys because they're so fired oh, up yeah. to be there. Absolutely. So I still have that fire. And uh, it depends what God directs me. You yeah. know, I, any change I ever made when I went from AD to treasure, I asked God, I prayed to God, was this the move I need to make? I've right. always been AD. Yeah. And, you know, he led me in the direction no matter what it is. I know I'll trust God. Yeah. And so uh, I kind of want to ask you this, too. So while you were AD, you know, I, I know you had implemented it at Bucyrus, but um, where did the, I guess, the the passion or the the strategy come to instill the drug testing in athletes um, when you came to Colonel Crawford. I believe that was probably also either my sophomore or junior year, and um, I thought that was a, a really cool – well, I guess cool isn't the right word, but necessary thing to happen for athletics. Uh, you know, we started it at Cyrus. you know, when I was there. And um, for those listeners, it's random drug testing. And in education, you can only do extracurriculars and kids that drive to school. Right. You know, you can't do, hey, you're not going to miss English. You're not going to miss school. Right. You know, yeah. that's what it is. When I got to Crawford, I was very fortunate. Ted Bruner was our superintendent. Yep. You know, and I said, Ted, this is a great program. And the program's not there to catch and punish kids. Yeah. But it's to give them an out. Yeah. When there's a peer pressure, hey, you know, on a Friday night, hey, we're going to smoke some marijuana or do something. Hey, I can't do this. I might get drug tested right. next week. Yeah. You know, because there's so much peer pressure. And that was the big thing. And, you know, I look at, you know, the Timkins and all the factories around. They can't keep people in jobs because right. they can't pass a drug test. Right. So we're educating kids in English and math and preparing for the next level. Why aren't we doing this? Right. So that was my, our strategy for it. And I have had numerous kids over the years that say, Coach, that was the best thing. If not, I would have been doing this or because of the peer pressure now, I have an out. I got to blame. I, I might get tested yeah, this week. Excellent. So that was the whole reason. Everybody thinks it's to catch people. No, 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 no. It's to help kids with everything they're going through. Also preparing for the next life because you're going to get drug tested yeah, at jobs. Absolutely. Yeah, and I, I totally agree with that. You know, looking back at it, you know. Because, you know, when you're in high school, you know, you're kind of thinking, well, you know, you're you're going to be in some parties and stuff, you know, possibly. And, you know, I remember thinking at that time, like, ah, oh, this is lame. What are we doing this? And then, you know, I was kind of hanging out with a rough crowd at that part at, at that time, you know, and I actually, you know, I was at Pioneer. I wasn't even going to school. And then one day we had like... Uh, I forget what they called them at Pioneer Wacky ones, like the, the hour delayed start. And, you know, I'm at the school and you call me in the office and you're like, you know, hey, you want to talk to me about who I was hanging out with. And you're like, look, you know, man, these these guys aren't what you want to do, because at that time I had stopped playing basketball and you kind of brought me in. You were like, you know, I'm really disappointed. And I remember walking out at that time thinking, like, what do you mean? Like, I'm about to graduate in two months and he's telling me I'm going down the wrong path. Like, what does he care? You know, I'm he's not going to see me anymore. You know, I'm not thinking about the future with my brothers and stuff, but that stuck out to me. And I, I guess I kind of ask, you know, 
what what did make you feel that way at that time when you know we had that conversation ultimately i'm i want to look out for kids zach and what's best and i've seen kids and adults get ruined by some of that and i'm like that's a great kid he comes from an unbelievable family and parents and sometimes you got to hear from a different voice and i've always said there's tough conversations i have to have but i'd rather have that tough conversation now than later down the roof man i didn't try to make a difference in this kid even if they i have kids mad when i talked about different various tough things that come up and get mad at me right but if i don't as a leader and as an educator and adult bring it up someday if something happens i'd be like why didn't i ever say something to try to make a difference so right. i guess that's the thing and you know there's parents that disagree with me having that conversation yeah. with their kids as well yeah. there really is but you know i want to try to help kids and grow and mature and like i said it comes down there's so much peer pressure and yeah. added influence out there where you try to you know be the mediator and getting involved in that stuff yeah absolutely well it's definitely working because like i said that stuck out to me you know here i am in my 30s and that memory still you know persists in my mind of being in your office and you talking to me like dude you know not trying to control your life or your friends but you know this group they ain't doing anything good for you you know they're they're trying to keep you away from sports they're trying to keep you away from the right things in life and you're you're not you're not going down the right path and it stuck out to me and i truly appreciate that coach Truly appreciate that. So, so coach, what do we got? Uh, we got coming up only one game this week, right? Is it at home? We are at Upper Sandusky, which is going to be a tough challenge. You know, yeah. it, this league this year, Zach, you talk basketball now, is very, you got to bring it every night, one yeah. through six. It is a tough, tough league. We beat them by one the first time at our place. But, you know, with the success we have, we got to get back. And that's it. We talked after the Winford game. What a great game. It's probably one of the best games we've had in Mac Morrison over the years. I'm just going to be honest because that Winford team is very, very talented this year. And our guys hung in there one possession. And the last play by Trev will go down. He'll he'll remember it the rest of life. He's going to be telling his Brantleys. And, you know, someday when he has kids, hey, let me tell you about this time. But after that, when we got back in, I said, hey, enjoy this tonight and Sunday. We got to get back to work and be consistent because Mohawk had just beat last week uh, Seneca East by 24, who beat yeah, us. Yeah. And we went on the road and beat them, and then a very good 9 1 Lucas team. And that's what we got to do this week. It's you got to forget about this last and move on. Yeah. Uh, you know, you can't just dwell in the past. And that we got a very tough challenge going over to Upper, but I know our guys will come and prepare and get ready to go this week. Awesome. Yeah. Well, looking forward to it. Um, and so if you can be in person in the game, it's at upper, but uh, there's multiple ways to watch these games now. That has been the night, the, the silver lining with COVID. We kind of talked about it with church, you know, it made uh, the technology possible for us to be able to stream service when people couldn't come and, uh, you know, whether it was government guidelines or whether it was health uh, situations, period. But uh, yeah, um, you know, Colonel Crawford home games, if you can't make it for some reason, they're always streamed on WMFDSports.com. So if you want to watch Coach Sheldon, uh, you know, if you aren't familiar with them, um, I have had people in the past tell me that sometimes uh, just watching him is worth the ticket uh, admission price. But uh, this week we're on OH Report. Yeah, that's what I figured. So this yeah. week at Upper, it'll be OH Report. <laughs> he does great coverage. Uh, those guys over there. Um, I believe they were former WMFD employees that kind of uh, left the company and made their own, and they really have transformed uh, local and uh, high school sports. It's really cool. So, Coach, um, I know it might be hard to pinpoint, but, um, you know, before we get to these last few things, is there like a fondest memory in your time of coaching that sticks out above any other, or is there just uh, so many things? So many. Every group's different. 
you know, it, it, it's just, you know, when you walk in our team room, in our locker room, for those listening, we have plaques of every team and we list who the seniors are, yeah. you know, on that those teams and then the successes. And I go in there on a daily basis and look, man, remember that group, that every team's different. You know, you're molding them together to play to their strengths, you know, to have success. So there's not one. I mean, every group is special. And just like this group, you know, you know, you go into this year, you only got one starter back, Trevor Vogt. Nobody really played on this team last year when we went to the regional. Yeah. And we have a plaque for this year's team. The picture's already in there. And the quote is, what's your mark going to be? Yeah. And going into this year, everybody said, well, Crawford's going to be down. And, you know, we're off to a 10-3 and three star. We got a chance, you know, later down the road, and hopefully to make a turn run. And that's the neat thing, seeing – putting it together and I talked to him about this is like the real world we're very big on defining roles you know look at last year Baker and Maddie were our all highlands Trevor played every game was more of a less role now he's leading us in scoring he'll be an all highland basketball as well and putting that to go because it's just like a company not everybody can be the CEO yeah not everybody is going to be the head manager. You need everybody, and everybody's got to understand they got to play to their strength and to the best ability because it's putting a team. It's why I love team sports. Yeah, you know more than individual because it's just like the real where you have to. You're not on your own. There's not a lot of jobs where you're just on your own. Right. Yeah. And that's been the neat thing every year, seeing groups grow and develop into the success, and then of course after the fact. Absolutely. Well, I, I think that my fondest memory, and I, I, it was just about a team that had fight, was uh, two years ago. So Trevor would have been a sophomore um, when you guys were uh, playing at BG um, in, in one of the tournament games. I think it was Sweet 16, right? Sweet 16, we, two years ago, we beat Harvest Prep, and then we lost to Ottawa Glandorf in the regional final. Who had, uh, you know, they got a kid this year. He's going to Ohio State after this year on that team that single-handedly yeah. was really good. Yeah, and they ended up winning state, right? Uh, they got to the state finals. State they got finals. beat, yeah. Okay, yeah, but I mean, one of the toughest teams, and that kid yep. was a sophomore at the yes. time and was already committed, I believe. Like, yep. they were, the, the, these, this team wasn't a bunch of schmucks. And, you know, it, there was, we were in that game, and the way th- the players fought, you know, all the way to the very end, um, especially seeing a guy like Mason Studer in that, it, it, that's like my fondest memories. Just, you know, that stadium was packed with Colonel Crawford fans, man, a college stadium packed, a college uh, arena packed, I should say. And, uh, just the fight that that team showed and uh, the way the community showed up for them. That, that's probably my fondest memory. Yeah, it was, a, it was a fun run, but every run's been fun for me. You know, there's not one player, not one group that sticks out. It's everyone's special because everyone you get a relationship. But, uh, you know, I, I'm appreciative of every senior that stuck it out because it's hard at yeah, times. Yeah. You're pulled so many different directions. Yep. And when those guys make it all four years – it's it's the glory of that and you know of coaching yeah absolutely so i'd be remiss if i didn't ask um it's it's been kind of the mantra of colonel crawford basketball for a long t- a long time and winning as an attitude so wh- wh- how would you define that to someone that just sees it on a t-shirt what does that mean that's a great question uh, zach you know my father used that same slogan yep. and my brother at western reserve who's been a head coach for 20 years and then myself have taken that and i think winning as an attitude is the attitude of work ethic and toughness every day you come in the gym that's the attitude and i think if you have that and the work ethic and all that it turns into wins and that's what we talk about we don't go we we never go hey beat this team beat that it's winning is an attitude and how do you conduct yourself on and off the floor 
to create a winning environment, which we've been blessed to have at Colonel Crawford. Absolutely. That's awesome. Yeah. I, it's, you always see it on the t-shirts and I'm like, you know, I, I wonder if people r- truly know what that means. So I'm glad you, you kind of broke that down. Um, so I always, you know, before I get to like the last final things, I always ask the guests that's on this podcast, you know, for the best advice they've either been given or they've given, or if you just have a piece of advice that you think would uh, resonate with someone. So I didn't know if there's something that maybe, you know, from your father, or just in your, you know, working in the NBA, just coaching period that, you know, you would either give or you've been given that stuck out to you. You know, I think one of the best advice is your, your work ethic. Okay. Your work ethic will get you. And then how you treat people. Yeah. Because you never know. You know, you think about Zach Wyrick in high school to where he's, I mean, I'm so proud of what you've turned into, Zach, as a human it. being and the family that you're raising. You never know when you're going to meet with people again. Yeah. So how are you treating people, you know, uh, even your enemies? Yeah. You, you know, you, you, you can't just do that. You got to forgive and pray for people. And I think the other advice is you got to have a relationship with God because yeah. the hundreds of basketball games we won don't mean nothing when I get to the gates of where I want to ultimately be, be for eternity. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, that's tough to get through to kids. Oh, yeah. It, it really is. But I think it's the way you live your life and kids see that, uh, you know, that's that's a big part of my advice, you know, with being in education and how I try to lead my life. Do I make mistakes? Do I sin? Yes, I do. We all do. We sin daily. Yep. But what are you doing to grow as a Christian? Absolutely. Awesome, Coach. Well, I, I truly appreciate you coming on here. Um, like I said, it wasn't even uh, a hesitation from Coach when we talked about it. He was right on. He's like, I'll come on. I'll share my testimony. And I truly appreciate it. You've been um, an awesome friend and a mentor for me, my brother, my family, period, you know, uh, Gabby and Cassie as well. And um, it's it's been tremendous, and I, I appreciate it so much. Um, before I, I get out of here, I just want to mention a couple things. Um, obviously, you know, if you get a chance, um, watch the boys play Upper Sandusky on OH Report, which will be on YouTube this weekend. Um, I'll even, uh, when I post the episode today, I'll post a link to uh, the OH Reports YouTube page in the uh, description for this. That way it makes it real easy on, on you to get there. But uh, this week here at church, so we've got uh, our normal worship hours, 9 and 10.30, adult Sunday school, 10.15, toddler Sunday school, 10.30, and then uh, kids small groups, uh, the Sunday school at 10.30 as well. Wednesdays, Bible studies are back on at 10 a.m. and 7 p.m. Youth group on Wednesday, 6.30 to 8.30. Um we do have open gym next, or it, when you're listening to us, it'd be this Sunday. So it's the first and third Sundays of every month from four to six for third through eighth graders. Um, your end of year giving receipts are out there in the lobby to pick up. Um, Compassion and Action Grocery Delivery is Saturday, January 27th at 10 a.m. in the Save-A-Lot parking lot. Um, we'll purchase groceries and deliver them to local families in need. If you have any questions, contact uh, Matt Schaffner. Um, LifeWise enrollment is open for Galleon City Schools. It begins on February 1st. Um, there is a QR code, I believe, on the website as well, but there's some here in the notes. You can go to LifeWise.org slash GalleonCityOH to sign up. The February Men's Breakfast and Bible Study is Saturday, February 3rd at 9 a.m., but this month it is not the men's. Um, we know Tim Bell is a romantic um, and a great cook. So this month we are inviting our wives to join us for a Valentine's breakfast and Bible study. We'll meet in the gym. Babysitting will be available in the Christian Life Center classrooms. Um, to help Tim Bell and his team prepare, please sign up on the cafe doors. Um, the last thing is the podcast is back, but um, I actually have a special prayer request. So I um, 
I'm blessed enough that I actually have two mother-in-laws. So um, I've got my wife's actual mother, and then um, I've got my wife's stepmother um, that married my father-in-law um, about 10 years ago. Wonderful, wonderful woman. Um, uh, my father-in-law is one of uh, my greatest friends, and she has been such a great impact in him, um, leading him to the Lord and everything else. But um, her grandson, Tommy, is 11 years old, and he was born without intestines, and uh, I'm sorry, born without intestines, and has had uh, quite a bit of struggle throughout his life health-wise. And um, right now things are uh, getting getting a little bit worse. Um, I've got a note here from um, my stepmother-in-law real quick. I'm going to grab and read. But uh, he's 11 years old, um, born without his intestines. There was fluid around his lungs, and there's there's a lot of health issues going on with him she said he's got fluid around his lungs making it difficult for him to breathe and we need his kidneys to work he has been getting dialysis to help and has improved thanks to jesus um we need him to continue to improve to take the tube out the intubation he has gone through so much um in the past few weeks doctors and nurses are with him and by his side 24 7. we are keeping faith that he will recover um, so his name is Tommy. If we can keep him in our prayers, um, uh, it's a sad, sad situation, but uh, let's keep him in our prayers and um, lift everything up. Um, I love you all. Um, I will see you all Sunday at church and uh, have a great week. God bless. Jesus.